Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Muse Podcast. For episode eight, Briggs and I invite to the podcast Order of Thieves. This was exciting. It was breaking new ground for us. It's the first time we've had a whole band in. Um, it was a challenge, not just technically, but just even to sort of get into everybody's head. But these guys are the band. They came in and tore the place up. They played loud and fast. The music's exciting and complex. Uh, we had a blast. Keep in mind, they're playing live, too. This is unedited, uncensored. You hit the record button, took five channels into the board and said, let's go. So uh, it, it's, uh, it's a testament to their, to their playing ability to just come in and knock it out. No overdubs, no fixing stuff. This is how you do it. Uh, we had a great time. Order of Thieves is three guys, John McCormick playing guitar. Uh, people from around here might know him all the way back to Fly Spinach Fly. Great band name, Fly Spinach Fly. Uh, Rick Habib playing drums and my old friend Bob Lord uh, playing bass. Bob's been around for a while. He has a, a recording company around here called Parma Recordings, which uh, releases classical records from around the world. Um new project uh, with some Cuban musicians, which is really fantastic, really interesting. Uh, the band Order of Thieves is playing at the Brick House this Saturday, October 22nd. That is, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably either tomorrow or today, or it's too late. Saturday night, October 22nd, Order of Thieves, Brick House. If you want to get in touch with those guys, probably hit up their Facebook page. Just Google Order of Thieves and uh, they'll get you right to them. If you want to get in touch with us, the Muse Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can always go to themusepodcast.com, click on the Contact Us button, and that'll send a note right to us. Thank you very much to everybody around the world now who uh, is listening to the podcast. Uh, I'm a little blown away uh, with how many people are signing up so fast. We're not even promoting the thing, but uh, thank you very much for the word of mouth. All right, this one is kind of a glorious mess. Uh, to be honest, we had a great time doing it. Uh, without me talking anymore, let me introduce the band to you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll put on my big voice for Bob. Ladies and gentlemen, Order of Thieves. <laughs>
Cool. <laughs> All right. Wow, people, that sounded fucking beautiful. Awesome. Thanks, man. Seriously. Uh, let's see. You got to move some mics there so you can get relaxed. Oh, I got to sit on the couch after that. That's yeah. right. John, will you introduce the guys in the band, please? A- absolutely. On the bass, we have Mr. Bob Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. I, so that's how we're going to do this. Is that how it's going to go? <laughs> no, I said bass. <laughs> I'm a troublist. <laughs> on the drums and vocals, Mr. Richard Habib. I don't even have I don't even have anything to do that. Well, what could I do there? I don't, I don't even. I don't even. Oh, there you go. Yeah, sure. Okay. So good. Ba-dum-bum. And so myself good. on guitar and vocals. My name is John McCormick. Ah, so sweet. All right, let's get some levels here. And, uh, yeah, I broke that my guitar awesome. apparently because I don't have any any sounds here to contribute. No, it's not really so, uh, huh. so wow. So what was that called? Border it's, cop. It's called border cop. Where did that? Oh, just, so we can set the uh, the stage. Uh, this is the uh, the night of the. Of the debate, which uh, is happening on the television behind us, which I'm thinking about turning off but leaving on. I can't. It's uh, hard. We're we're tense. I'm tense. Yeah, I'm, I'm tense about this. Yeah. Do you want to leave it on? Well, I mean, I think "Border Cop" is actually quite an appropriate tune. <laughs> <laughs> it actually is. Yeah. It's as if we planned it. So, how did that come about? Where did that song come from? Who started it? How does this go? This is a little different for us. Um, you know, on the on the podcast, uh, obviously, we're not usually using a. Uh, we're not usually uh, interviewing whole bands here. This is usually a, a singular vision. We have somebody who comes in. They're going to sit down. They're going to talk about where the ideas come from, what they're going to do, how they go about it. And, and sometimes the stuff hasn't even been recorded yet. But you guys have like a really complete vision for this kind of stuff. So seriously, where did it actually start? I, I was going to say the the concept of a singular vision with this trio is uh, is non-existent. But yeah? uh, I think in general it's non-existent. But, but no, I mean, I, I think for, for most of our, our material, we... Um, We've all contributed to everything in terms of the uh, the, the content and mm-hmm. the composition and all that. It's 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 group composed. I mean, we all bring in something to the table and then we kind of toss it in the pile and it turns into something else. And I think that's the fun of it. How did this one actually work? Well, you started. So Bob had the I guess the main riff for this. This is actually probably what four or five years. Yeah, you I, had that I, kicking I, around. I had I had most of this one together for a gig that we did uh, at the music hall, and uh, we ended up not using it actually. Yeah, and uh, and it just kind of was a good tune for us. And John makes wacky guitar sounds, and uh, sounds like yeah. a, like you know like like crime happening, which is which is again appropriate <laughs> considering who we are and what we do. So. No, we brought Did- in that uh, that breath of fresh pot air via the Joe Walsh <laughs> Talkbox moment <laughs> in the middle. Well, I, def- I want to talk about Talkbox in a sec, but but it's, so it's just, you had like the you have the riff. You guys are is it like a jam thing or how does it when does it actually turn into like this is gonna be a song, we're actually gonna finish this out. Here's the beginning. Where does the structure come? Usually after about the fourth or fifth drink. Yeah. It's uh, true. <laughs> yeah. Around that. Yeah. No, I mean I, I think there was a lot of like a lot of the parts were already there, but then like all the fine details kinda come into play in terms of um certain aspects of the arrangements or the composition and, and saying, well, let's do this here and do that there. And like there's that one little section at the very end, they were all whacking away on a on a, right. on, on a six to five section and yeah. And some of that kind of morphed a lot as we played it through. So, right. So, so we'll set some background. Uh, you guys have known each other for a while. Too long. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
So Bob and Rick are actually married. We've been swapping spit for for, for two decades, actually. Yeah, two decades. Really? That's, that's wow, a legal. Really? That's a common years. law marriage. A lot 20, of spit. twenty years. That, that is common law. Well, common law is only like seven years. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, so they're Thrice almost over. It's three common law marriages. That's right. <laughs> You're way past paper at this point. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. Border cop and uh, two men in common law marriage. We're we're touching all the touching all the spots. We really are. It's, right. it's one of those nights. Yeah. It's one of those nights. It's debate night in America. So and I've known these guys forever too, but we didn't really play together per se until until this project so it's been super fun that way right so so the idea of how this whole thing works is pretty solid at this point so i, I guess i'm what i'm looking for is that that really you know, like, here's a kernel of an idea how to trying to follow it through that's usually what we do but it seems like you guys have been doing it so long that it's that may not be appropriate, right? I, I think that, you know, in a lot of cases, you've got a band or, or a musician or a performer who's got the quote-unquote singular vision. And right. it's like, and if anybody else contributes to it, automatically it's diluted, therefore lesser artistically, which is, of course, fucking idiotic and completely inane. Right. So I think that um, when you play with somebody for 20 years, when you know somebody for almost that long, we've all played in projects, various projects together, I think right. that... The, the idea of group group composition is, um, I think, inherent in this project. I think it's inherent. It's like my life. I mean, I, I definitely sit alone by myself with a piece of paper and a pencil, but I don't have as much fun that way. Right. You know, so. Right. Well, I mean, but I think it's safe to say group composition, especially if you look at sort of the 2016 approach for at least this type of material, it's not it's not super common. I mean, this may be, I don't want to call it a throwback. I mean, obviously, there's other ways of looking at, at group composition, but this isn't a jazz band. It's not like you're coming up with a, you know, with a chart and just riffing. You know, you really have a, a sort of a, a, I don't know, it, it just feels like it's it's really mature. Like, the, the process of it feels mature to me. Like, how, like you said, you've been sitting on this for four or five years. What pulls it together? Are you saying, well, we have a recording coming up, we need songs, or are you thinking about an audience thing? <laughs> One time, we're in the studio, okay. and John, as, I, as I'm sitting there, right, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere like this, I'm like, and I kind of was thinking, is that right? Is that, is that the right, is, is that it? And John, John put the brakes on everything, right? He goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who's the audience for this? And I looked at him and I said, me, right now! Right. So I think I think That's there's a big I, I I think there's a big element of that. Like in and the impetus is, you know, we want to make music, we want to get together. I don't think there's any any external pressure whatsoever to do right. anything that we do. Well, I was thinking about this the other day because we ha we do have a CD release coming up this weekend and I was uh, interviewed about it. And the question came up like how the band came about. Interestingly, and unlike a lot of bands, I think we never set out to be a band. We didn't you know, call each other up and just say, hey, let, should we be a band? Or, you know, we actually were making music for a different project entirely and ended up with some sort of spillover tracks, like more tracks than we needed, and they were really good. So we kind of looked at them and said, is this a band? This is kind of like a band, this stuff. So it, it morphed from that into this. You know what I mean? It wasn't like anyone had this agenda, like we need to be this or, or we, we want to work this specific genre it just came about. So you were already friends. Material. You were working on something yeah. else. It, it's gonna, mm -hmm. So this is all, I'm going to say like supergroup is a dumb name, but I'm trying to think of things that are relatable to someone, you know, coming in from the outside. So, it, so the bottom line is you already have all these things. You find this thing. You like doing it. Did you just start playing? Uh, by the way, Bob, don't worry about that sound. It sounds like somebody's going through. I'll take that out of the, the thing because it's direct into the, into the, the stuff that's not on the Mackie. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, was it like we're going <laughs> to take that out? out. No, I'm right. oh, sorry. 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 <laughs> So it was. Uh, so uh, 
so was it? Did you go like, hey, let's go into the studio, or did you go like, hey, well, I have this gig. Why don't you guys open for us, kind of thing? Well, I think John can probably articulate it better, but we were already in the studio. We were already working on a different project. And oh, you yeah. mean literally the three of you guys? Yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah I yeah. thought you meant you were like side people. You were working on no, 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 thing. no. Like we were, we the three of us were working on a on a a, a music licensing project for for Parliament ah, together, it. and got we were it. so we were writing tunes for this thing. And you were like, and "Fuck that shit! We well, want to do this." Well, well we, sorry, it was like li- it was a bunch of little tunes too. Yeah, right? yeah. We Remember, ne- well, we needed like eight, and we came up with you know fourteen or something. Right. So the, so we were like, you know, some of these are don't fit the project, but they're pretty awesome, and so maybe that's a thing. And like, so for example, like the tune "Town and Oats," which is on the new record, that was one which was a minute long tune that I had that I put together really briefly for this project, which was for my company that we were working on. Let's you feel and, free to talk about it. You have yeah. a label, and in this situation, you're doing some music licensing. That translates yeah. into you need a bunch of short things exactly. for a client or for a situation. Right? Exactly. And and we were putting together uh, kind of collection albums that we're all tossing material in on. And again, it was one of those ones. It's like one minute long, and it was so so peppy and cool. And right. we said, "Oh fuck, we can just we can expand this really easy, easily." And then we ended up doing that with a lot of different material. Yeah, that became the se- those became the seed kernels of what morphed into the songs. Yeah, because they weren't using the licensing project because they hated the goddamn music. So, <laughs> <laughs> like back to the, the whole audience thing. What right, the right. fuck is this odd meter shit? You know, like oh yeah, okay, right, right. right, right. <laughs> no, no, no. We said jazz. Yeah. Jazz. Yeah, that would be good. But I mean, yeah, but the licensing thing is a, that's as much about schmoozing and talking as it is about anything else. So, yeah. yeah. Sure. But so I see what you're saying. So you're, you're, so you're literally throwing out a bunch of ideas saying, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get all these little ideas together, bring them in front of clients or something like that for a completely separate thing. And, and so these don't get used and you're just flowing from there. Yeah. I mean, like, not to go into great detail about this, but for my company, I, uh, I don't have any, um, uh, collaboration in terms of the staff and myself and our clients in our work so it's total separation church and state so john and john was working for the company at the time and we're doing this project and we basically said well we can't do this through the company because that's like against the rules that is set up and then so we need an outlet for it and then um and i've I've known this drummer for a long time and he's you know (laughs) what do you think rick is this all are are these lies taking do you think people are going to believe this this malarkey so we we believe the lies therefore i think others will end up buying them as well that's the key that's the key not lies just malarkey rick you look really good tonight (laughs) you look great yeah talk about a lie (laughs) are you guys doing this like do you when you get together like if you're rehearsing or whatever you go hey i have a new song or you kind of segregate the writing process during their time I, I think we're tossing material into the pot and see yeah, what happens. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. It usually starts with some kind of a, someone's got a little, like like you said, like a one-minute piece. Like, oh, there's something to this. This is peppy. This is unusual. Or even just a time signature figure, and then somebody else jumps in and develops it a little bit, and next thing you know. I mean, like in the stuff that Rick and I have done for the last couple of decades, theme and variations is the, the, the primary right. you know motivating factor. It's just that's the fun stuff. So I think that's where it's cool. We're like... You know, John will bring a riff in, and then next thing you know, it gets in the in the blender, and then you've got a you've got a smoothie, right? And I'm riffy, so I, I, I'm riffy. I do a lot of riffing, so that that you are riffy. I'm riffy. You're riffy. I'm like, riffy. Like Raffy's cousin. Or yeah. Son, yeah. Riffy. Like Raffy's yeah. down in his luck cousin, actually. <laughs> yeah. 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 But he's real cool. Raffy's hobo cousin that they don't talk about. No. Riffy. Is Riffy coming to Thanksgiving? I hope not. I hope not. Yeah. Maybe a silly question. How do you remember what you're doing? Obviously, in this first example, you're talking about being in a, you know, you're in a recording situation, so you can just hit record and go. Do you do you kind of own your ideas coming in? I mean, 
How, how do you, do you? These are relatively complex things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, I, we've all been trained over decades and decades of playing material by not looking at pieces of paper. Right. So that when it when you rehearse it, when you play it, like it gets embedded in the brain. And what's funny is, you know, being a producer, I'm a producer. Uh, if I learn something by reading it off the sheet, off the paper, I I need that paper forever. Right. Yeah, you if do. I if I remember, if I learn something by going through it a hundred times in our rehearsal space. I don't. I don't want the paper. I don't ever want to look at a piece of paper because it's it's lodged in the head. Is this one of those things where it's like, da 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 da? da. Stop! No! 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 It goes like this. Na 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 na. Stop! No! 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 Is that how this happens? I mean, that's how I do it. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Real efficiently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once Bob's done doing that, so you're then we literally write the tune. you're literally remembering the final version because you just you guys just played it so many fucking times that it's locked in. Well, a yeah. little bit of it too. I mean, you know, it rehear- one rehearsal. This isn't happens. a bad thing. I'm not calling this out. I'm I'm kind of oh, playing. Yeah. I'm playing, leaving. I'm playing audience for. I'm trying to like. Well, no, you it's, know, it's funny to me that that's an unusual thing. I mean, isn't that kind of how we all used to do it? Like you just. You write tunes and then you remember how to play them. Yeah, and I, I think actually, like the the new thing that comes into play is, you know, because we all have devices now, it's very easy to literally hit record on your phone, record it, send it around, and then that way, right. you know, you can shed it a little bit in your own time. That's and then you what come I was in. getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So that piece comes into play, and then the next time it might be okay. You know what? I was working on this. I thought about this is a variation. So. Clearly, I'm failing Duncan's test. Here. I mean, th- th- thank you for saving me. You know, this is how I... I <laughs> There's no test. <laughs> I feel like there is. This thing is... so it's No, it's super fascinating because... Because, uh, well, I mean, from where Briggs and I are sitting... Who? We see... Uh, yeah. <laughs> we see it, like, from well, all these different angles. You know, you see someone going, well, this thing happened in my life, and I'm writing about it. <laughs> right? And that obviously yeah. doesn't seem to be... As much in play here. We have one song that contains an element of that, actually, that we'll play tonight. Oh, yeah, we do. Does it fit into the confessional songbook? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, it I, came from a real actual it, experience. It came from an experience. Yeah, you know, experience, yeah. That, that is, you, now that you mentioned it, Duncan, that is, it, it is a, a, there's a line in the sand there. Like, we don't often write about personal experiences. So you guys, think? you guys have never actually witnessed a drunken monkey knife. Well, no, well that, is, that is the exception. That's actually, yeah, that's the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. It's more like being in character and writing a right on. You know. So, wow. So, so the title "Border Cop," I'm guessing, then comes at the end. Well, uh, there's other elements of the tune that are on the record, which might give some some clues. But I, I think the oh, the, it's like one of those rap skit things. <laughs> I think the, oh, I, look, I think the concept of earnestness is not anything that I've, I've ever considered. <laughs> right. Well, it, you know, I'm not dancing around it, but if you're just yeah. going to put it out there, this, yeah. yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, again, not calling one over over anything else. Uh, it's although, like I said, from this point of view. It's almost jarring. It's it's like you you see a singer songwriter who's going at it yeah. one completely different way. Right. Then you have this kind of thing, right? And I think it's we've run and we noticed with the podcast, uh, Briggs and I've noticed that you, it's hard to talk about music, right? You talk about music in terms of other pieces of music that we all communally seem to know. You know, that sounds sort of like a Hendrix thing, or that sounds a little bit like I don't know, fucking Adrian Ballou or something like that, right? right. But this thing doesn't sound like a fucking Adrian Blue thing at all. It's just you're searching for something that may not be in four where the guitar goes a couple of times. Right. Oh, it must mm-hmm. be Adrian Blue, right? It's a shitty way of talking about music, right? And so when you go back and sort of look at it, I'm going to sound a little bit tacky here, but it, it actually feels like the reason why the music 
works and it comes together is because you guys just like playing with each other, playing this shit, right? I mean, could yeah. it be really that simple? It's like, this fucking is great. Let's keep doing it. Yeah. I, I believe pleasuring oneself is a vital portion. I was component going of down life. the autoerotic concept, <laughs> yeah. but I, without using the word. I, 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 well, I mean, uh, to go back to the whole thing, like, you know, who, who's the audience? Me now. I mean, if you're not right. do, if you're not doing it for yourself, then you're chasing your own tail, in my opinion. So right. for me, I would probably slip my wrist sitting where you are, uh, listening to guys, you know, talk about all the various and sundry horrible things. Right. At least in my day job, producing classical music, at least there aren't a lot of lyrics I have to deal with. Right. <laughs> so I, I can I can pretend it's about whatever the fuck I want. You know? Sure. But it's a fascinating thing. I mean, it's it's okay. Now there's a challenge. Let's talk about being earnest without actually being earnest. Absolutely. Right. right. So, right. But it is True. fascinating. Leaving that shit. If you go, okay, cut all that shit out and leave it out. What are you left with? You leave with you're you're left with sort of this uh, this this this. Uh, it's almost like the music itself is eh, the point. I've just kind of talked myself into a circle there. Well, no, I mean it's kind of like the dough of the pizza. Yeah, and it's always the same dough. And it just matters what toppings you put on it. We don't use dough. Right. Does that make any sense? It's I kind of do. Topping. Yeah, yeah. All toppings. Only toppings. All toppings. Only toppings. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. toppings. Lots of pepperoni. All of them. All the time. All of them. Yeah. But I've seen you guys play. I mean, obviously, we're just sitting here listening to you play. This is super entertaining as well. Even though I think you, you're, you're I'm going to call it out a little bit, it sounds like, you know, you're saying, well, we're not going out to entertain, per se, or you're entertaining yourself. But you know that you're entertaining yourself is entertaining for other people to watch as well. Sure. And that's a... We got to blow all the metaphors to the side yeah. to keep going down this road. If you really genuinely. want to blow the metaphors? Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> a lot of blow metaphors <laughs> happening. There's, I mean, if it's genuine, right? If if you're doing something, even if it's for yourself, but it's genuine and it's coming across that way, then clearly, it's. I think it should be entertaining to somebody. You know, I highly recommend that anybody listening to this podcast and everybody in this room sees the Orson Welles movie F for Fake. That is, is it? Are, are oh you, yeah! I, I sometimes can't tell when you're when you're being serious. No, you, there hard. is literally a movie. Yes. It is, and, and it's about what is the what is the nature of authenticity? What 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 is real? What is not real? Right. What constitutes a forgery? Right. And of course, it's being made by a man who has now bilked many many investors to get some fucking money that he's purportedly making this one film to make so he can do something else. And right. I think that's pretty much what we do. Well, you're not bilking people Mine, out of their money. money. Oh, I'm bilking yeah. my wife, yeah. man. I mean, you know, that's, <laughs> wow. Wait, wait wow. Where, where's the money? <laughs> wow. Wow. Right. Rick's, sorry, Rick's sorry. hiding all the money. <laughs> so, so, oh, so I met even, my husband. Yeah, sorry. Right. So you, but you, but you guys play live when you go out live. Is it as simple as that? You're like, hey, let's just put together a set list. Let's make this happen. Well, let's let's call it. You, you're actually you have some other gigs that have notoriety as well. I'd imagine there's a crossover between, uh, for example, some of the people who are fans of Dreadnought and some of the people who are fans of Order of Thieves. Is there a certain amount? I'd imagine there's a little bit of a crossover there. Sure. Right. And and, and many of the different things you guys work on. Yeah. But, Briggs. Briggs is the crossover. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm the yeah. fan. I'm one <laughs> fan. <laughs> I like both bands. So, did you guys ever? play together who you me and bob any of these guys i don't think not so, in the same no. bands yeah. mostly drinking i, I, I found yeah. out that if i <laughs> drinking asked, games yeah if i asked that it surprising things you know surprising you know, well, things yeah come you, about. Know, you can play with every briggs plays fucking every try to right so but you guys have known each other for a long time oh yeah 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 i've known bob for a long time we go way back way back um drinking mostly yeah 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 generally yeah, yeah. That's, that's it yeah Drunken monkey knife fights. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Lords of the Strings. Yeah, a long and, time uh, ago. What? Yeah, sure. What? Who was that oh, other guy? Daniel Willett. Lords of always the, the dominatrix and never the bride. Yeah. Yep, that was the best track. See, I can't recite the lyrics because I don't want to infringe on this man's copyright. Oh, but I have so to. Good. I have to say, Daniel Willett, 
in the song Always a Dominatrix and Never, and never the, bride. the Bride. Oh, it's the best. Genius. Guys, so and, and of course, and then followed by the great hit Who Put the Bowling Ball in My Garden. Oh, that's a good one, Fucking too. Fucking unbelievable. Yep. <laughs> I think see, I still have that but see, album. But hold on. Actually, in all seriousness, though, there's a really interesting guy as a songwriter who is completely sincere and completely insincere at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. In my, in, as I recall it, though. Yeah, but no, no, that's, I, it's, I agree. It's yeah, a gauzy memory. In that moment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. indeed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gauzy moment. <laughs> Lords of the Strings, to be clear, was the name of the act. Lord of the Strings that's was great. a different guy. Daniel Willette was the name of Daniel Willette. Daniel Willette. Mm. Thank you for clarifying that, Brady. Yeah, yeah, sorry. That's no, okay. What was the bar in Durham that you guys... The Tin Palace. The Tin Palace. That's right. Now Aroma Joe's. Yeah, and Subway. I oh, think. how things oh, have changed. Half and half. Jesus. If they only knew what went on, <laughs> they would never order that tuna. Uh, yeah, that place is gross. <laughs> <laughs> did you work at the Tin Palace, John? I, I didn't. I only played there a handful of times, actually. I, but I did go see Dreadnought there. Because I'm a Dreadnought fan. Tin Palace is a uh, is I don't want to call it like a bar, but it's like a college bar at a college at University sure, of New Hampshire, be, which right. is to be. around here. Yeah, and, and but but it had the uh, a number of different reputations, and you I know I in, in, in my prior life as a booking agent. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I used, used to, to book in there. Yeah. There was there was open mics there, and it was all this different kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean yeah. There, there's there's little that we all in this room have not done in the music industry. Let's put it that way. Right. <laughs> yeah. In every way. Sure. So. <laughs> I don't know about you, Briggs, but but the normal line of questioning just goes out the window with this thing, sure. which is great. This, this is like eight. I'm looking. I'm thinking like, how? What's the future like? How do you guys look at 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 moving forward and backwards through this? But the answer is, you're just going to make more fucking songs. Right? Yeah, man. This is yeah. this is this is asymmetrical warfare in terms of the interview and the music. So I love yeah. that. That's a great word. Yeah. Asymmetrical warfare. What yeah. is, does that does that you or does that come from a thing that? I'm well, I mean, it's a, it's a, an actual term, but I I will appropriate it for this purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, this yeah. is. Stealing, no, it's borrowing. It's borrowing. Borrowing. Yeah. borrowing. Sampling. Sampling. Right, and there is. Like you mentioned the war between sincerity and non-sincerity. There is that element in this for sure. I mean, we take this stuff seriously. We, obviously, we wouldn't be playing it the way we're playing it, but there's humor in it, and I think that's that's the difference. A lot of a lot of musicians feel like they can't. I think they feel like they can't have any humor in the music. I'm not sure why that is. I'm a Zappa fan, so I beg to right. differ, but. You know, it's it's a thing. It's it, and it doesn't mean you can't be sincere and have humor in your music at the same time. Absolutely, right. I also think though that there's the perception for a lot of artists not only that it's like it's either it's got to be serious and earnest or it's got to be slapstick and and weird Al Yankovic. Well, that's just it. It's, it, it's, it's there's no middle ground. Right? Exactly, but there yeah. is. There right. Is. No, yeah. there absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. There is. And well, I think John, I'm, you know what? Don't don't disagree with me in this context. This I'm, is embarrassing. Do you want to fight? I don't want to do this here. Let's not leg, now. We're gonna leg wrestle. Can we go outside? Yes. Okay. Well, like Elvis Costello sits for me in somewhere in there. Like he's writing yeah, songs sure, that if you just sure. read the lyrics, you know, uh, whatever, Allison, the, the world, like it's straightforward, just yep. love song. But he's going, well, also, right. that he's not really right. doing it. Also, right? his production aesthetic, like, you know, yeah. from a, produ- a producing standpoint, I mean, he absolutely has, you know, elements of humor that crop up because of convention and playing with convention that I think a lot of people don't notice. Right. I mean, there's a lot of examples. That I think Tom Waits is another example oh, yeah. where, again, if you, if you just yeah. take his words for many of his songs, and just read them as a poem. It's it couldn't be more earnest. Yeah. But he has to create this entire construction in order to somehow mm-hmm. be cool while he just sings. I love you, you know, yeah. or I miss right. you, you know, and then you get like eyeball kid or something. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. kind of out there. Rick, favorite Zappa album. Quick. Uh, Roxy and elsewhere. Ooh, good one. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Second favorite. 
probably Waka Jawaka uh, or Grand, Grand Wazoo. Wazoo. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm going with Sheik or Booty. Ooh. Also, really? Ooh, late, yeah. late, yeah. Seven. that's, that's yeah. rare, rare, yeah, very rare. I love that one. I'm, I'm the, uh, I'm a, you know, well, Bob knows. I'm a live lover. If yeah. it's recorded live, I'll probably like it. I don't even always care what it you is. You can't do that on stage volume two. The yeah, Helsinki or li- live in New York. Live in New York. That's a great so one also the Roxy Band. Yeah, yep. 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 So I have a weird connection yep. to one of those live albums. Yep. Uh, when I saw Zappa on his very last tour, and this one when he was really kind of going off on the Bible thumpers, Jim and Tammy Baker, remember yeah, that was yeah, his yeah. thing? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That was a big wow, thing. Wow, that's a memory, time. huh? Yeah. So he had this part in his show, and he did this for years where people would come up to the stage and just give him things, and he would just, like, gifts, and he would riff on them. You know, it could be a poster or a picture or whatever. And my friend Wendy came to the show with us, and given the theme of the album, this whole televangelist thing, she brought a hymnal that she had stolen from a church. And I'll never forget this, like, the he he took it up on the stage and the band opened it up. I think it was Ike Willis, the singer at the time, opened it up to a random hymn. It was called Stainless the Maiden. And they put it on a music stand and they gathered around and they sight read Stainless the Maiden out of this hymnal in front of like the Cumberland County Civic Center. Awesome. Just for 30 seconds. Yeah, sure. You know, but it was so great because they just, the bass player and the guitar player came around and they figured out the chords and they played this hymn out of this hymnal that she had given him and it was just, it was just cool that's great and on one of those live albums he mentioned he you hear someone in the band yell out stainless the maiden which was the hymn so that's my like hair thin connection to zappa yeah, it's pretty cool though <laughs> it was fun yeah and then you named your your dog stainless the maiden right stainless the maiden yeah yep bob you that are you a lot. zappa of course still on there well i'm, I'm a waka jawaka grand wazoo guy yeah, oh, yeah. That's because I, I I like I, I like the the structures in that. I prefer those yeah. structures. That's more to my taste. It's hard to pick, man. Yeah, there's a, a lot of good ones. Yeah, one size yeah. fits all is great. Yeah. yeah. What about like comfort? Like I think that's uh, kind of what we're talking about here, right? So if it's weird, some people would listen to you know any, most Zappa stuff and feel very uncomfortable, right? And just mm-hmm. be like, yeah. that's not what you know gets me going. That I I don't. Maybe I don't want to dance to it or whatever. They're not going to relate to it on some level. But it seems like in this conversation, all of us have a certain comfort level with that, right? Well, I was going to say, think about Michael Hutchins. I mean, you know, there were things he was into, which I think wouldn't be comfortable for many other people. And uh, to each his own. Yeah. Well, but but rather than just saying to each his own, but that's the thing. But so now you guys have this interesting thing where you're playing things that many people would find challenging to listen to. And of course... That's either a good thing or a bad thing, depending on who the audience is. That's not, I don't, I'm again without qualifying that, but you have comfort there. Like it's almost like you're finding your favorite spot in something that's not typical, in something that is uncomfortable. Well, it's true, but I mean, like there's two points. One is that I think that we are not as abrasive as we could be. Or as we are personally, so I think I think <laughs> is that. Do, do you true. want a medal for it's that? A, it's a threat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think y'all should be lucky and happy. I think that's that's what it comes down to. But I mean, we'll I, I think that there is an element of um, accessibility that we try and mix in, and I think it, like in the album, it's a, in my opinion, it's a pretty good mix of things which are straightforward to a certain degree and things which are very oblique to another uh, another degree. To yeah. use a, a, a word. The the second point is. Um, that I think if you think about the theory of uh, spam emails, why do people still send out, you know, my name is Prince Okonkwo, and I have in- inherited $26 million, and I'd like to, you know... Well, I-, I read a really interesting article about why these things actually still keep coming out. It's because you, as in a sales perspective, you are actually pre-qualifying the lead. So anybody who is stupid enough to respond to that email in anything regarding a sincere way, 
has completely pre-qualified themselves as being the correct target market for that. It's so Got absurd it. and so ridiculous. So I think that there's an element of Zappa where that's the case too. So it's so out there and so ridiculous that if you are in it, you are in it deep. That's the point. Right, you're like sort of right. culling out all the problems right yes, ahead of time. Exactly. But I, you know, I had a friend, I'm going to throw this out there, I had a friend who, uh, you know, who had his own personal issues, but he would, he was really insecure around other people. He was a saxophone player. And uh, he would walk in to a gig or a room or whatever, a party or whatever, and he would kind of systematically piss everybody around him off, culling out, because he figured in the end they probably weren't going to like him anyway. So let's just get right to this. Yeah. Sour grapes. Just like, sort of like, <laughs> are you? Wh- why do you wear those shoes? And you'd be like, what the fuck are you doing, man? And they're like, who's this guy? And you're like, yeah. there it is. That's that feeling, right? Yeah. But so, I mean, you know what I'm getting at? It's like there's there's a goodness to it, but there's also some sort of a danger to it a little bit. I mean, you pro- do you feel like when you are, when you're, if, oh, put it this way, if you guys play 10 songs, you probably have like an effect during the first two songs to, if it may be a, a mystery audience that doesn't know you're there or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. But the people that stay, if I understand what you're saying, those are your people. Is that what you're getting at? Uh, th- that I think in general that's what I'm getting at, not only with this, but in like any type of um, expression or art that we're talking about, like the Zappa kind of thing. You know, I mean, Rayla Montaigne isn't using that strategy. But right. I think, you know, and it's maybe it's just a strategy which is appropriate because of who we are, not because it was a conscious decision. It's just that's the way it is. And, and, and you know. yeah, it just evolved that way. And there is an element of uh, like there's this element of accessibility and also complexity that says like a push pull all the time mm-hmm. between going all the way like that last tune that you just heard. I mean, it's odd time it's very complicated but then this middle the middle section is just pure like joe walsh you know i mean even the main the main portion of that tune is essentially a one four five i mean that's that's basically what it is so you know it's yeah and it's a and it's a memorable riff that you're playing as well so you know it's but are you are you selling yourself short when you do that are you saying we need to make this more accessible or are you just going no i just like it that way uh, the latter, much I more the latter. The latter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, no. There's never. There, I don't think there's ever a conscious decision to say, "God, you know that we we probably shouldn't play this in eighteen five time or whatever." It's just you know <laughs> we just do it. <laughs> we, that that just happens, you know. And then well, there's a T-shirt right if, there. I think it's more. 18 five. <laughs> yeah, eighteen five time. We probably shouldn't play this. It's, one it's, maybe it's probably more because oh, we just need it. a breath because we're right. old now. We need a right. breath, so right. we're like, oh, let's do something slightly slower. So, right, seventeen five. It just feels good. I think. I think. Uh, <laughs> 175 yeah. is not five. slower. <laughs> Depends how you play it, man. <laughs> it's actually faster in the long term. Sense. Depends on the tempo. Uh, it depends on when you call the start, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah. No, I think to your point, it's not a conscious thing. It's a uh, in the in, within the composition when it feels like it needs a breath, we just go go that way. You know, right. take it a little lighter, take it a little like. Well, yeah, we're coming you know. around to that thing again, though. Where you can't really talk about music. You know, like we say, it feels like it. it that's exa- so. Why does it feel that way? You're just compelled to make it not this way. Well, right? I, I would actually mm-hmm. argue that one of the things that that I think we all collectively have seen in our lives an awful lot. I know you have for sure. I have too. Is just a lack of facility at speaking musical language. So, on, yeah. so so that you know it, it comes out to be it's like, well, it's kind of like you know Jimmy Page. You know, fucked Randy California. Well, she really did actually by stealing right. his music. And, uh, but you know, but but like instead of saying, I totally got it. Ins- right. Yeah, instead of saying like, 
mezzo forte? Yeah. You know, like yeah. pianissimo or Yeah, do we have to go Italian in order to get this done? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but it, but I hear what you're saying. The, at times the Italian is the perfect solution. It actually is almost right. always, but yeah, yeah. I, at least yeah. to get you in the ballpark of what you want, right, you know. Right, right. Yeah, it's a, it's funny. But even then when you're talking about the Italian, when you're talking about the terminology, you're translating into sort of left brain what mm-hmm. the right brain was trying to do. Why are you pulling a retard here? You're doing it because why? Right. So, it's one thing to go dudes Retardando. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. Or right. the other one is going, no, this is, I'm falling to pieces here. Can't you hear this? You right. know? Well, I mean, there's another thing that happens too is like, you know, we will record something and it will exist in one particular way. And then the way that we remember it, not in terms of the muscle memory or the musical memory, but the emotional memory of it, which I very, very rarely ever use that word in any it's artistic so, context. I know, I'm just like, emotional memory. I know, back. be careful, look back. out. But, um, but, but, but the echo of the memory of what the intent was, which yeah. might not have been captured precisely in the original recording. I mean, I can think of a, a, a piece that Rick and I rehearsed a couple weeks back where there was an actual retardando in it, and it was like the original recording, it wasn't as it, how Rick played it, it wasn't as how I wanted it, but somewhere in the middle was actually what it, really is supposed quote unquote supposed to be at that at least at that time yeah so how do you get to that how do you do it you know how do you explain it that's the problem with playing in a band and when you're just doing your own shit and you know you're with an acoustic guitar well you're probably too busy strumming anyway to think about those things so sorry that's right. like 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 a trumpism right there isn't it yeah <laughs> I mean, it, it's, 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 it's a little yeah. too busy strumming away that's it, what it, she's doing tonight in order to she's get strumming. yeah <laughs> in order to get a point across you maybe shot an right, entire right. you know yeah, family course, but yeah, yeah. no it's the way i do it break a few eggs. go back to that you know your shoes are fucking ugly man <laughs> i know <laughs> look at them look at them fucking make an omelet right well but there's an element of that to zappa too you know he's not walking in the room going hey how are you i'd really like to get to know you as much he's gonna walk in and that's kind of where i was trying to make that connection like where you know it's a, it's kind of a shady analogy but that part of his deal was to do that culling you guys are talking about like right away yeah. like mm-hmm. boom what's this first song well it's about you know i don't want to just go down the bottom line is it's he's going to be as harsh as he possibly can but that's comfortable to someone like me who's a fan right you see what i mean it's a weird kind of backwards yeah, if you grew up with that, that's your that's your vocabulary. Yeah. You know, there and there are definitely you can tell people who have the vocabulary that we have that musically, that just get it, feel it. But what's cool is when someone who isn't a Zappa fan or isn't like deep into King Crimson hears our stuff and goes, "Man, I like that." But we I mean, sort of like achieved some kind of weird mission. But somehow. think about the fact that we all grew up, you know, like Ricky listening to ACDC when you're, I mean, like we all listen to stuff. Which <laughs> right was, under the bus. Well, no, 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 no. no. I, I know where you're going. Yeah, yeah. like, like yeah. All, all listening to this very like, quote unquote, I mean, I wouldn't say ACDC's earnest, but at least straightforward, non yeah, straightforward, con- non-confrontational yeah. music. Is that, you know? Sure. Oh. And now look at us. What the hell happened? I mean, you know. Right. Fucking bad plus playing Stravinsky now. Does this happen to musicians? What do you think? Does this happen when you start when you start out? God damn, I gotta pull this thing out one more time. Hang on, people. All right. Uh, does this happen where you have people who are starting out for reason X? I just want to be in a band because I want to be you know whatever cool in in middle school or or I'm in high school and uh, and I'm not playing sports and these guys are cool and I I can do this or whatever. You're gonna get into the band for whatever reason. You're gonna start playing pop music. And one by one, as we all know, people will just drop away. They'll stop doing what they're doing. People keep going. All of a sudden, you realize, wow, seven notes. Okay, this is not as weird as I thought it was. Then all of a sudden, the math makes sense. Then you go off on your on your you know what do you want to call it? like a like a 
desert journey. Walkabout. Yeah, your walkabout, right? <laughs> Where you're like, oh man, I found Spirit Mike Stern, or oh man, I found Miles Davis, or oh man, I found John Coltrane, or oh, I found Shostakovich, or yeah. whatever. You fill in the blank, or or fucking like Keith Jarrett is a great example, right? Like. You couldn't be more earnest than Keith Jarrett to the point where the only reason you can really go there is if you're willing to just, you know, get into the, you know, the, the sensory deprivation chamber that is his world. Right. <laughs> and it's like everybody goes through that. Then they come back and they're like, oh, I'm falling in love with the major chord again, man, or something, yeah. you know, yeah. or they get into like real retro thing. Man, you know, how Robert Johnson was like the real musician or whatever. This seems to be like an arc here. But then at some point, it's just not so fun to do that. It can be. Now, for me, I'm kind of moved in the other direction. I, I, I kind of would rather just, I don't really fucking care what the chords are anymore. Like, I don't care if they're complex or not. I just want to play. It's more about actually playing with other people that I mm -hmm. just really like. That's just me. But do you think this is a thing? Is this part of an evolution? Or you guys just keep on going? Or is uh, Well, I never really got past the part where the math made sense. Really? <laughs> you don't play like that, man. It's true though. No, I don't I don't I maybe I just I don't approach it that way. Are you really just going way. this sounds fucking good? To some that degree. You no, on. I mean I know enough come to on. I know enough to to make it look good, but I I don't I don't not as deep enough to be the, dangerous. Enough to be dangerous. <laughs> exactly. But but I don't I I'm still connected to that like Seventh grade me who's just playing whatever sounds good. Oh know? no, yeah, I, that that stuff <laughs> never know? comes off the table. Right. No, but I'm saying that like in the beginning, like the best fucking song in the world is "Running with the Devil" for me. Right. I'm sure. like, oh my god. But then you hear like White Punks on Dope, and you're like, okay, that's the greatest song in the world. Then like some weird Todd Rundgren and Utopia thing, and I'm like, oh my god, that's so much better than these other two. You know, you're trying to as a young mind, you're trying right. to. So it's, I, I, I don't think there's any logical progression to infatuation. Really, I, that's I'm, but stay with that for a sec. Well, no, I mean, look, look to a certain degree on. Okay, so on the on the aggregate or on the strategic level, there is, but on the micro level, I, I think you know. I mean, for me personally, like I have a trajectory in my life for sure. But we're playing a tune at our gig on uh, on Saturday night, a tune called "Down Down" by Status Quo. Okay, uh, and Status Quo, dude, right? <laughs> See? Whole story. See? See? See, that's it. <laughs> but it is. It's one of these tunes. It's like you know. The first time I heard it, I listened. I told these guys last night. I listened to it fifteen times in a row. I mean, I I just I, again, again, and it's right. like it's this little you know. It happens. You never know what's going to resonate with you. It's a gem. Yeah. So these things happen. But I mean, but that's that's like maybe an outlier. Maybe it's just you know, maybe like a, a bad piece of chicken I had that night or something. I don't know. Like, it well, no, I mean, I, but the the food is, the food is a classic example. I mean, the the food arc is the same way. There are very sure. few teenagers that are really except for they're they're. They're faking they're into this deep food thing. Flock but as you, get, yeah. as you get older after a while, you're just like, wow, give me something different. To, to give me, try this. And then you connect things. Some people love the way it connects to culture or, some of the, or where you are or moments or time or celebration or whatever. But that food thing is really cool. Or coffee is another example. You can, people love fucking Zappa just because they think it's cool. But there's some people who are really, you know, in tune with what's going on. I think you can make the same you know, comment about food or coffee yeah. or any of these things where yeah. I think as just the as 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 people who are into it keep going forward, they just find these things. And all of a sudden that Dunkin Donuts coffee just doesn't taste as good anymore. Mm -hmm. But fucking 
another 15 years later, you're like, hey, fucking coffee. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know. Does some- anyone go back to Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, no, but there's a place for it. You know what I mean? Like really late no, at I night, you mean. coming home from Rhode Island, it's sure, like 2 a.m. and you yeah. need to drink something because you're going to fucking drive off right. the road. You're really not like, oh, this, it's, I really want to stick with the Peruvian. No, I get it. That's well, a- like, like, I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, when Ricky and I were listening to um, Thronity for the Victims of, of Hiroshima by Penderecki. And this is like 15 years 16 ago. Years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, sorry, I'm, I have to be responsible. A very aleatoric, open concept kind of piece. Certainly not something you would describe as melody harmony in a typical sense. Or... People that aren't you, Bob. Anyway, yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> Bob's like, oh, I totally get it. But, 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 <laughs> but, but please doing. continue. I'm sorry. No, but I mean, like, you know, and then it, that's not a piece that one would go back to listen to numerous times for pleasure, you know, but, but you get something from it and then you take that and then you, then you keep moving on with it. And then, you know, I heard it again recently the, day, the other day, actually, and I chuckled. I was like, I, I mean, I do get it now. I do understand what was happening. But at the time, it was so exotic and so out there that it was like, I need more of this. I, I I need to understand this more. But then you inter- you interpolate it, you assimilate it, and then you you hopefully well, use part of it. You know? Yeah, it's funny. Like you can pick you can pick the points where there are riots when music happens. Yeah, right. So like the classic examples are like a uh, right of spring. spring. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But there's also riots when whoever was before Black Flag was playing. You know what I mean? There's, there were riots right. when fucking Bad Brains played. Bad Brains come up on this podcast all the time just because I'm a huge fan and I use them as an example. <laughs> plus, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right? Just fucking PMA, baby. That's how you get through. But the idea of like of 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 these kind of, of projects, it's totally normal to just listen to a fucking Bad Brains song, right? And at this point, even... You know, even students who are studying music are like, oh, I get it. Yeah. It's right of spring. Yeah. It's like two keys playing at the same time. You know, they can almost like just write it off. Like, so yep. let me throw another one out here. How about the word virtuosity? Ingve. <laughs> See? Yeah. So, so your reaction is to make a joke. Of course. <laughs> but you guys are playing in that pool a little bit. No, I mean, if virtuosity just means being good at your instrument, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, Taylor Swift's really good at singing, but I wouldn't call her a virtuoso. I'm I'm with with him on this one. Sorry, John. How about being able (laughs) to communicate what it is you want to communicate most of the time on your instrument? No. No? I think virtuosity has something to do... I'm 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 sorry, no. Not you're wrong. Wrong! my, My version of what I would consider virtuosity just comes from a different angle. I would say that part of the entertainment value, part of the communication value, part of the actual expression is human achievement Mm -hmm. i agree with you i agree like i mean if you think about okay so for example uh i know a violinist that i work with in the czech republic and we're going to release the paganini um uh, um, caprices pardon me and he wants to do them all uh unedited completely see i already want to hear that just because of that actual it's like a human achievement feat exactly right word i i i I think that that's what you're getting at right i mean that's basically it but i don't think that i don't think acrobatic feats are are our modus operandi, although I'm sh- there are some in our yeah, in, in our I'm music, but yeah, no, 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 I, I know that, but I mean, but that's not the way that I think that we would come at anything. I mean, and say, oh my God, let's try and you know get this crazy thing. It's like you know a lot of these metric you know hitches that we have, for example, or a lot of these riffs or these or the the content is as a result of simply wanting to pleasure ourselves. To go back to that, as opposed to you know what can we do that's that's going to be totally stupid and wild and crazy. You know, I mean, I think that that might be part of it, but not yeah. all of it. What does Dan Fouts have to say? <laughs> the color man. <laughs> Nothing. 
It is totally. Uh, sometimes it's just it happens. This is all me. This is my ego coming out. Oh. It's just me just running the fucking table, <laughs> holding poor Briggs. It's like pulling a train here. It's true. I. It's like yeah. But okay. So well, like for example, like I know me. Uh, like I know Rick is constantly practicing like a lot of different patterns and concepts and ideas um, from a, a, a percussion standpoint. With the intent of saying, well, now how do I integrate this um, in in a quote unquote organic way, in, in a non stitch it together? Oh my God, I want to do this kind of way. So it, it's something where it becomes part of the fabric as opposed to um, the 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 cause of the piece in the first place. Yeah, I would argue that if if, if you really are in, in 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 the presence of true virtuosity, I'm being a little dramatic, but let's use someone who's uh, easy to understand, like Yo-Yo Ma. It's very difficult to look at someone like Yo-Yo Ma, the cellist, and say. He's just trying to look good by playing fast. It's not that's not what I mean for virtuosity. Yeah. I feel like this is someone who's just so accomplished at what he does that even playing very simple concepts to go back to what what uh, Rick was saying, he's just simply expressing what he wants to at the time. But those expressions can be quite complicated and even simple expressions can be super complicated. Yeah, the too. range of expressions. There. Right. Right. Well, like for example, the most virtuosic sorry, John, the most virtuosic concert I ever saw in that way that you just described was Peter Gabriel in nineteen ninety two, where as a whole, the entire production, from the standpoint of conception to execution, was exactly what you just described that Yo Yo Ma does as a single person on any given night. Where it was such a triumph of this complexity and all of these different modes of kind of creativity all coming together to make an, a front-to-back experience that was in, uh, filled with intent from moment one to the, to the very, very end. That's, that, to me, was... So, like, group kind of virtuosity is an amazing concept when you think about it. Also, I played in an 80s hair metal band for 12 years. <laughs> well, did you guys ever play with Bad Brains? Fly, did, did Fly ever play? No, Fly Spinach Fly did not play with Bad Brains. All right. No. Uh, you know where I'm going with Oh, this. yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a fucking band name vampire. Yeah. Band names are like my, I don't know what it is. The I usually end up coming up with them too. I like them. You've been in a couple of interesting band names. Fly, Spinach, bands. Fly, Camarawana. Camarawana. Yeah, Camarawana. That one came to me at work in my cubicle, oddly enough. That was the 80s hair metal band. <laughs> that was the 80s hair metal band. Nice. Which, rest in peace, is gone now. You know what? There was a certain but, element of virtuosity with 80s hair metal. That was me being somewhat joking and not it was sure there were some people who are fucking playing the guitar they're trying to be cool and play faster than anybody and then all of a sudden they discover oh my god i'm really 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 good at this <laughs> yeah and they get really really yeah. good at it yeah. well say what you want but i mean it, there's an element of people actually caring about playing well in that music it's not yeah, it's dangerously music, close but, you know, to earnest yeah, exactly yeah. dangerous oh <laughs> not so not dangerously it's it's right there but uh yeah to your point i mean band names are are fun I mean, I'd start projects based on the name sometimes. If I may, may pat myself on the back, I, yes. I, I did name one of your albums for you. Which you sure I, did. I'm, I'm quite proud of that name. That's I, right. I wish we kept it for our own record, this, for this record. Yeah, oh, it's, the, it was a good one. So, oblique soundtracks. Yeah. yeah. Oblique music for, sound, for soundtracks that, that don't, don't exist. exist. Yeah. Yep. Bob, Bob bequeathed that on Museum of Science. That was our first album. Did you say queeth or queef? Bequeathed. <laughs> he bequeathed it. <laughs> But you were saying about band names. You had a point there. And I no, I mean, no. I'm just saying I'm a vampire for them. And you've been in some really interesting named bands. What other named bands have you been in? Uh, boy, those are the... Those are, those are All the right, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I have a question. It just yes. occurred to me. I never thought of this. I've never thought to ask you why the band was called Fly, Spinach, Fly. Was it actually a directive to the spinach? Was that the concept? Yes. I, yes. I, I, I never even thought of that until yep. just right now. That one didn't come from me. It came from our drummer, okay. Dan. He said he, he came in one day, said he had a dream about a scientist. He was a huge Zappa head, too. Like a very, very 
die hard. So he had, had this dream about a, a mad scientist who's who was trying to make different kinds of vegetables fly. He blurted out fly, spinach, fly. We thought, great band name. And so, yes, it was a command. It was a command. Did anybody else think of that? I, I, that never occurred to me. You? It's always, I, I've never thought of it a different way. It's oh. funny you say that. Yeah. <laughs> it shows you how little thought I've put, in, put into John over all these years. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which might be okay. There's a, uh, we got double booked one time with a band called Fly Spanish Fly, and that was interesting. Seriously? That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah. It was pretty funny. We what all, like, picture that meet up in the parking lot, like, hey, what are you doing here? No, what are you doing here? Well, there's some unbelievable band names around that time. It was sure. a weird. It was a weird sort of time. What are we talking about? Like the 1920s? Yeah, yeah. Back, back in the 1900s. Yeah. Back in the 90s. Back in the 1900s. The early days stuff. of the World Wide Web. What? You had some unbelievable. Everybody has some really scary band names. But there were True. some really cool. How about remember like Choosy Moms? Choosy that was Moms. like a fucking great name. It was obviously a great name. there was the GIF commercial. Well, it fit their whole aesthetic. On. Yeah, you know, they'd have like a woman ironing on stage while they played. It was funny. Rick and I had a band called Colonel De Beers, which I was very proud of that. Colonel name. De Beers. Yes, of course, named after the the the, the apartheid uh, supporting racist loving professional wrestler from the AWA in the 1980s. I think the the, the project itself was almost as alienating. Too, uh, actually, you you want to talk about <laughs> off putting? Yeah, well, the real it. problem is if you don't know the wrestling connection, that's the really shitty name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, from the worst wrestling association that there was at that time too. The AWA was really really bottom bottom shelf. Yeah. Sorry, I, I don't want to offend anybody right now that's listening, you know, but... No, I, I think it's yeah. worth pointing out, this was an actual character in an actual show. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't just a giant racist thing. That's correct. Right. That's correct, yeah. Right. It was a mockery of a giant racist thing. I mean, of course. You know, you know you're talking inside baseball when your wrestling promos are, are you know, referencing F.W. DeClerc. I mean, that's real. That's deep. <laughs> that's, that's deep. That's deep. Very deep. <laughs> turning into a Dennis Miller routine here. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Can you, you can you imagine be, being in a band with me? It must, it's horrible. It's a fate uh, worse than. I laugh a lot. No, not drink really. a lot. Yeah, fall that, down yeah. some. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Malfunction. Silently grind your teeth. Yeah. We're, we're just for the record, we're watching the debate with no sound on, and uh, yeah, it's, and I, it's fascinating. But we're gonna we're gonna play drunken monkey knife fight, and it's I feel like it couldn't be more appropriate. Why don't we just yeah. do it right now? Yeah. Let's, go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or, or, I thought we we're gonna do. Uh, or whatever let's you do want. Do that one last. Are we doing that one last? Yeah. Well, I meant during the debate. No, no, at some no, point. Do. Let's do Drunken Monkey Knife Fight now. You want? And yeah, right? Oh, okay, sure. It feels right. It's, it's the right night. It's, it is the right night. <laughs> so uh, these guys are getting their stuff tuned together and all that. Everybody's got their cans on. Check cans on. are headphones. Yep. Yeah. Hear yourself? You're all good? I'm good. Are you good. talk boxing on this one? No, not on this one. All right. I'll mix you up. Whenever you guys are ready, make it happen. Another drunken monkey knife fight It's the right night For another drunken monkey knife fight It's never wrong It's always right It's never ever ever wrong It's always right It's another drunken monkey knife fight Always right. Gonna get tight. 
jump into the van and make a scene tonight. My drink is looking like fill it till it spills the lights of dynamite. Campaign of fear, champagne or beer Campaign of fear, black rum or beer Campaign of fear, cold gin or beer In the moonlight Your stupid head will hit the curb tonight Down by the dock tonight we're gonna drink and smoke and make it right They're always wrong We're always right They're always saying something wrong We're going right It's another drunken monkey night fight Campaign of fear Champagne or beer Campaign of fear Black rum or beer Campaign of fear Golden or beer Campaign of fear, champagne or beer Campaign of fear, black rum or beer Campaign of fear, cold gin or beer Drunken monkey night fight It's a right night For another drunken monkey night fight It's never wrong It's always right It's never ever ever wrong It's always right It's another drunken monkey night fight Campaign of fear, champagne or beer Campaign of fear, black rum or beer Campaign of fear, coaching or beer Yeah. Right on. Cool. The monkey. Drunken monkey knife fight. That's the title? Yes. Cool. Inspired by Portland, Maine. Yeah. Then that, that, now, that's a real-life experience song right there. That's the one. Tell us the tale, Rick. <laughs> uh, where the hell were we? Oh, Gritties. Gritties. We Gritties. were playing about the 1,000th gig we played ever at Gritty McDuff's in Portland. This was, this was a Dreadnought gig, to be clear, probably about early aughts. Early aughts. Right? Early aughts, yeah. Uh, Post-gig. 
packing up uh, for anyone uh, who's ever played Gritty McDuff's. You're right in front of this window, so you're on display, kind of like a zoo animal yeah. uh, would be. People are passing by, and so it's it's past one. Everybody's out. You know, they they all the bars let out just spill all the morons into the streets, right? <laughs> all of them, not some of them. All of they're them. They're all there. All of them. And there I am, you know, I'm in post-gig, packing up the drums, re- completely monosyllabic. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to do anything other than just get my shit together and go home. I'm packing and packing. And all of a sudden, I just hear on the, the glass window behind me this, like, I mean, it's, it, like, scared me. I jumped. And I see a guy looking at me. And he, he points at me through the glass, like, like as though he wants to fight, you know? And I sort of look at him strange, and I, I th- almost think he's just looking at someone behind me. I just go back to my business. I just start packing up the drums, and I hear it again. Bam! Like, really loud. Like, the, the glass is going to break loud. And I turn, and, he's, and now it's clear. Like, he's pointing at me. He wants to fight me for, for some <laughs> reason. It was unbelievable. I, mean, I really had no idea. It's right? it, it, so... So my brother was killed by a drummer. The the only the only thing I could think to do was I put my stuff down and I start dancing around like scratching my head and my armpits and doing this like monkey dance and he gets furious. He starts slamming the window. I mean to the point where the bouncer The whole window was like shaking. I thought yeah. I thought it was going to do one of those like quicksilver from days of, you know, the yeah. the, the gritty's bouncer ends up going outside like chase. I don't even know if he found the guy. Like the guy ran, chased him, you know, they come back in. He, he couldn't in. come in. I knew he couldn't come in cuz the doors were locked. You so I was which, real, which yeah. really emboldened you at the oh, time. Absolutely. That was the worst part. You were throwing gasoline in that fucking fire, man. That Absolutely. was ugly. Yeah, that now, was Rick, ugly. Yeah. how would you have behaved if you weren't sure the door was locked? He would have fled. I, I probably would have said, "Sir, you really don't. You, you really. I, I'm, I'm. You know, whatever you need. I'll you, stop packing the drums if that's displeasing." See, Rick you, is, a, is the most cordial drummer I've ever worked with. I've, been, I've played in bands with drummers who would have gone out and broken that guy's nose in about two seconds. But you are a gentleman, and you would never do that. Exactly. But so then, you know, the, out of that, the term "drunken monkey knife fight" became just a, a thing that we would say and then i i think actually john you had the the main riff there because uh, we were talking about fog hat at one point right and then you started playing a yeah little bit honestly of that. that that opening riff was was a uh what was supposed to be a fly spinach fly song i think back in the 90s yeah, yeah. so this, that's a piece of recycling news yeah <laughs> Recycling news sounds cool. like a small town, like <laughs> the recycling. Newspaper. Yeah, news, the recycling yeah. news. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's interesting, right there. I mean, so why did it come back? Is it because you're like, oh, that's like, I I really I really need to use this. I yeah, mean, I'm sure. Has it just been sitting in the back, like staring at you the whole time, like a lonely little rip? Kinda. Yeah. There's a few of those in this band. It's it's modified from its original yeah. form, like Bob said. But I it's be, like I believe I, I believe I did cut the beats on that one. Of course. No, no, I, you, did. I, you I, did. I'm always yeah. the beat cutter. I'm yeah. always. Cutting very, what do you yeah. mean, cut yeah. the beats? Yeah. In this case, beat adder. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Pardon. Well, well, right. well. It right. depends how you look yeah. at it. Actually. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah, so it was an odd. T- I think it was an odd time thing, maybe to begin with, and Bob added that beat, and then it just took on a different thing. There's a lot of a lot of touching There's beats. A lot of, a lot of touching beats here. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah. when did the lyrics come in? Do you finish all that shit? Because your words are fitting that. 
Or did you just change the beats because that's how the words work? No. No. The, no. The, the, no, we shaped the words around that. The shape, yeah, yeah the yeah. words. Wow, really? That's the, oh, yeah, that's the That's thing. the hook. That's the fun part, that's right? That's the hook. Yeah, yeah, totally. Definitely. Bob had the hook. And then Rick and I went off somewhere and wrote those lyrics, I think. I'm not... I know we we vetted them with Bob, but like we just I yeah. think we sort of had a like a couple hours in a practice space where we were like on to something and yeah yeah I think bl- that's you know, right rolled it all out. Yeah. But let's be clear, I could have spiked the entire thing if I didn't approve of a couple, a couple of the words. It's I true. I would have <laughs> just <laughs> simply I would have <laughs> just thrown the entire <laughs> thing out the window. Baby well, bath water, get the fuck out. That's well, it. As we often do, we we put them under his door and then they came back out under the door with red marks on. It them. would have been yeah. like water ship yeah. down. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's that's basically what's a bad version of water. <laughs> Rabbits dying. Yeah, but I mean, well, I, you know, actually, there was a tune that that we were Rick and I were working on uh, that we recorded um, a few months ago, and there's one lick in that tune that is 17 years old. That was just like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, that's been sitting the, around the for 17 riff. years. Yeah, right. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Why not? Had to get it in somewhere. So, so and and there's another one. Cherry red is a riff that I wrote a long yep. time ago, and that's uh, it's not that maybe makes it sound like this is just we're sort of recycling old stuff, but it's not. No, there's, no, there's no. a ton of new, like really cool new stuff. But some of the some of the uh, connective tissue here is, you know, you come up with something and it might be 20 years ago and it's super cool. You just never find a home for it, and it sticks in your head. And then this band has been the right home for a lot of those things. I think this is a know? real redheaded stepchild of a group because yeah. I mean like but like seriously though because like it, this is the island of misfit toys in a lot of ways and that's the uh, that's kind of the fun part I think you know you get to do that shit that you might not mm-hmm. have done with the well, other guys. Process wise one of the interesting things about going through the idea of being earnest and not right mm-hmm. so if if you're going to write something that's that you're going to open your heart and you're really going to say try to get these words right right you're going to figure you're going to be good at X, Y, and Z, but some of them you're going to be really good at, right? So let's say you're a great lyric writer, right? And then you just go and blast out these beautiful lyrics. Then you do the one thing, let's say you're a, whatever, a singer-songwriter playing the guitar. The one thing you're not so good at is making up cool guitar chords, right? So you do this beautiful thing, and then you, you're stuck with trying to do the one thing you suck at and putting it on, right? So someone like me, I don't write, I don't like, I'm not a big lyric writer. They'll come out. I figure I'm not so good. I'll put the lyrics up first because the thing I do really well, I think, is put the music around it, right? So I'm going to, you know, so by, it's interesting, by not really worrying about what the topic of the song is, you you have given yourself the freedom to just lay in the lyrics later, which really does bring the riffs forward. It's like having Elton and Bernie in one body. You know what, but that's exactly (laughs) the point, right? Elton John's not interested in writing the song until the lyrics are done. Absolutely. Because he's good at putting music to lyrics. Absolutely, yeah. And so you kind of separate, you flipped it upside down. But on the other hand, I guess the compliment is that all I'm listening to here is the, the the words work, but I'm really focusing on the lyric, on the uh, riffs. I'm focusing mm-hmm. on how the band's playing them together. Well, I mean, that. like like in this tune, like a lot of, a lot of it's just playing on words. I mean, a lot of it is just right. you know sibilance and and in particular yeah. sounds of the words. And I think that that's like much always always been more attractive to me than the content. I don't know why. Yeah. You know, I just I like right. the sounds of things. Right. That's yeah. the, the why isn't really important. And yeah. words that and, and those things can create this feeling of menace that the song should have a drunken monkey knife fight i mean you should you should be scared so even if words are they're they're slightly nonsense or just chosen for their sound as long as they they enhance that menace or fear that the song creates then but it's funny too because it's monkeys monkeys are hilarious but they will rip you apart <laughs> very really, strong you're they all will, very strong well you know they're you know, strong you know all over the place. You, know, you know what was <laughs> no. amazing though what was really amazing was you guys remember a couple months back there was actually an incident 
with the drunken monkey with a knife on top of yeah. a bar. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You know what? We, we actually had this cut completely yep. recorded, done in the can when that happened, when it became a news story. And then, you know, of course, within like 10 minutes, I said, fuck it, let's do it, we're posting it, and we did it. And, you know, the idea that one would have a song ready at that moment about <laughs> a great. drunken monkey with a knife. I mean, wait, that's wait, really something this, yeah. right and, there. And, absolutely. And... and also own a label and a publishing company. Right, right, right. They're <laughs> right. all lined up. Should have been like, hello, CNN. <laughs> exactly. Well, the good news is that... I the, tried, believe me. I think the, 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 the clip was from like Paraguay or something. Yeah, so there was no hello, licensing CNN, issues Paraguay, whatsoever. Right. Oh, right, right. So it's out there. If you YouTube Order of Thieves, Drunken Monkey Knife Fight, you're going to see the opening, you know, the opening sequence is that damn monkey up on the roof with a knife threat and a bottle of gin, like threatening, <laughs> threatening the people. It's hilarious. Unbelievable. Just, so he, you know, it, it really cuddly and dangerous. It's astonishing. Time. It hasn't happened more frequently. I agree. That's really the amazing thing there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys got to write more monkey themed songs. I think that's, I that's think in that's the cards. Absolutely yeah. true. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, there's got to be a sequel. Yeah. Right. It's oh, yeah. funny. I mean, what a not earnest. An animal. <laughs> well, it's an interesting point, actually. <laughs> is is the monkey earnest? They rarely are. I think you're right. I think they're they. They literally I mean, make the sound all the time. That's their sound. And is, an animal that, and, that and like laughing I feel at. like you're a monkey racist, Duncan. Yeah, I, you're the Trump I, I of could, monkeys. You know what? Yeah. I could, I could be Trump a monkey, monkey. racist. Trump I don't monkey. like monkeys. <gasps> That's really. The well, really? you know, you're you're begging me to tell this anecdote. I'll make it quick. But uh, Rick and I, we did a gig with Dreadnought. You don't with, have to make it quick. With, 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 it's all good. Well, no, because you know, I mean, I'm 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 t- I'm, t- I'm getting tired. You're it's already making. I'm, it I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not waxing. I'm waiting. <laughs> I, I, That's okay. We have a couple I, of I bits could, that we like to do wax. on the podcast. We'll we'll just we'll drag you through the rest of it quick. Don't worry about. I it. I could ahead. wax if you want. Um, but we we played a gig with Tony Levin, who is of course Peter Gabriel's bass player and King Crimson. And uh, and he's like, yeah, you know, Peter called me to to do a recording session with him, and and uh, I said, sure, um, just send me the track, and I'll put the bass track on, and I'll send it back to you. And Peter said, well, no, I I need you to come over to Real World, I need you to come to Bath to 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 come over for the session. And Tony's like, ah, you know, if we could do this remotely, it'd be a lot better. Peter's like, no, I really need you to come. So he gets on a plane, he goes goes to the goes to the session, he goes in the studio, and there's Peter Gabriel with with three large Bonobo apes, and. <laughs> They're playing piano, and so this is, these this are is actual. The, apes. These are actual. The bonobo apes. Apes. They're they're the ones who solve everything with sex. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I, I wasn't going to say, but okay. But um, but but again, this is Tony's telling of this. Okay, this is Tony's telling of the story. He says, "So I walk in, and, and Peter says, Hey, Tony, I'd like to introduce you to Susie, or whatever the name of the, the fucking ape was. I can't remember now.' But he says, "You know, Susie goes, Susie. This is Tony. Tony, this is Susie.'" And they shook hands, and sure enough, they. They cut a track together. So here you got like Peter Gabriel, who, and it was called Animal Logic. It was a B side, right? And and Tony was like, "Yeah, I did like a session with a bunch of apes." And <laughs> That's the moment he lost his mind. But the but but of course the the irony that, that Peter Gabriel is both the earnest and the the most earnest and the least earnest back, in the yeah. same in the same person. That's right. so. Yeah. I mean, some of his lyrics are beyond confessional yeah. to the point where they're they're uncomfortable. Yeah. Uncomfortable, and they're even they're even pushed past what his reality is into a bigger reality of of. Of discomfort, yeah. Just confessing for you. Yeah, I mean, part of me kind of, I don't want to turn it into a conflict, but I mean, part of me says, well, where do bands like Yes come in? I was just going to say, you know, John Anderson, be honest with yourself. No, no, I don't want to, John. No. <laughs> but, but, it's a command. But, 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 it I, is. but you're still, but you're still on board, right? And not you, I mean, particular, but I mean, but someone who may be a little bit iffy with the whole earnest thing well, let's is still back on board. A, a lot of us are on board despite John. 
I mean, that's, I think <laughs> right. that's. Right. Despite no, what John has to say. say. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not John's yeah. melodies, yeah. not his concepts, right. not yeah. his harmonies. So you're literally excusing the lyrics when you listen sometimes. Well, well what do you do when you listen to Rush? I mean, I love Rush. I'm a huge Rush fan, but I don't think you can make an argument that you're I, right. Neil, no, no, Neil, you're I love right. you, Neil. If you're listening, you're, you're great. <laughs> no, no, you're, don't you're be mad. No, you're putting me. You're, you're you're putting you're putting the point across. I mean, I guess all of us. I guess well, you excuse it when you listen to Van Halen too, right? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, but but you kind of know what you're getting with that. Like, right. you, there's no there's no pretense of like you're gonna get anything other than grab ass. You know, that's a really trunk good point. Bruise, though. Right? That's a, a good lot point. of trunk, like trunk, yeah. trunk brews and silverbacks. You know, it's like yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. that's what you know what you're getting. You yeah. know, Rush is sort of packaged into this like. Well, you know, there's, a, there's actually a double, well, there's a triple constraint with Rush. Number one, the music is complex and abrasive in a lot of ways. Number two, the, the, the lyrics are often inane and useless. And number three, of course, is the overriding veto power that is Geddy Lee's voice. And, 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 you, know, <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, though, I guarantee you, uh, I, I'm inter- I, I've actually, uh, I have a number of different ways of looking at Rush from the different friends that I've made and all that, <laughs> oh. including a, a, a famous baseball player that I used to work for, uh, but yes. a very good friend of, of, of some of the people in the band. Where, where to be honest, though, you know as well as I do, if you were to go and take, a, you know, at least the Rush fans that show up at the concert, uh, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say out of those ten, there's probably seven that are really in tune with a lot of the lyrics that they're not excusing the lyrics. I I, I think you're right. And so I there's that. Right. I'm going to yeah. say sort of geek factor or nerd factor. It's it's not really what I mean. It's a love factor. It's people that are actually going to go. I love these lyrics. I am in tune with this guy who has this kid, and he's giving the kid the the the, the source of freedom by leaving him his car and. Mm-hmm. It, like all of that kind of stuff really does resonate. Yeah, I think the point you're, uh, that I can meet you with, though, of course, is that it doesn't really matter if you do because there's so many things to love about stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's an interesting way when you throw those kinds of bands. Like Yes is a really funny example. You know, there aren't that many. We'll, well call yeah. it a prog band, like a progressive rock band. Yeah. Yes is unusual. You're right because with Rush, there's sort of that like. There's always a connection point with Neil where, like, you're, you're, at the very least, I feel like your 12 year old self can connect with something he's talking about, like the yeah. angst, the angst of whatever. Well, I mean, well, and but you, with yes, you either like, like Bitor or the Snow Dog. Exactly. You can't like both exactly. Bitor <laughs> and the Snow Dog. Right. But, right. Well, a, but, but I, w- I would argue there's also an immediacy to the guitar playing, which, of course. which does not exist in yes. No, no, in yes terms is of far. Steve Howe's sound in his style and his playing. Oh, and, God. When yeah. I was a kid, I was just like, I wish he'd get a rat pedal. <laughs> I wish he'd just turn that thing up. But it just I, sounded so country. I was like, no. But then I grew to love it. Yeah, and it, it is yeah. incredible how he is turning into Eddie, the the mascot of Iron Maiden. I mean, he he's he <laughs> has morphed into. Yeah, right. it's we're like, talking about Steve Howe from Yes. Right. Yeah. He, you're actually making fun of his appearance at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, really yeah. kicking yes. him. He's been left off the yeah. tour. <laughs> he's friggin' despondent, and and Bob's kicking him when he's right. down. Yeah. Well, I, I will well, say, unless you like the way Eddie from the ben, funny thing. Iron Maiden looks. Here's the funny thing. These are both these are bands that we genuinely love. Love, favorite love. bands, favorite bands. favorite bands up there, and we're just we're just mocking them and riffing them down because that's like I, I do with with you guys, like you do right. with me. That's well, right? fun. I know what happens. Balls right? that you love, right? right? But you feel like you know that's what it is. You feel like when you know someone well enough, you can you can joke around with them. Sure. So I I feel like I know Rush well enough to joke. <laughs> roast what them. am I saying? Yeah, just roasting them. Did someone just? No, <laughs> I thought I heard. I thought I heard something. No, no. You thought you heard a trumpet? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I thought someone pulled the trumpet stop on the organ. Actually. So there's. Uh, yeah. So that was one of the four female Rush fans <laughs> crying out there. Yeah. So it's become really a little bit four. Right. Well, one died. Now oh, okay, yeah, cool, there's three. Cool. Yeah. Well, there's that makes num- more sense. 
Rush's Reluctant Wives would probably also be a good album name. Or those those like are that. the that three. Super, I think yeah. those are the three. Right. Um, <laughs> actually, well, they came out right. I meant Rush fans' Reluctant Wives, but right. actually it works either way. Anyway. Uh, I like the Rush's Reluctant Wives. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Really good. yeah it hit me closer to the heart. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Breaks. Whoa. Hit, Sorry, me, guys. hit me Sorry. closer to the fluffy heart. Yeah, there you go. Jesus. Nice. So, uh, so there's there are a couple of things that seem to recur in the podcast, so I guess we're just kind of giving in to them. So uh, many of us were introduced to uh, music early on by buying a record. What were some of the uh, first couple of things that you bought? John... I went out to Strawberry Records and Tapes and bought Diver Down by Van Halen. Nice. You are my Unreal. brother. You're my yes. brother. I used to have a w- whole wall of my... Uh, Bob is literally curling up inside himself right, right now. Right. He's, he's becoming... I'm, I'm, I'm he's, getting sick. Yeah. He's an Ouroboros. Yeah. I am. I am an Ouroboros. I'm eating my own tail right now. I had an entire wall of my room that mm. I made. Like, yeah, I'm going to make this room so it's my room. That I painted into the Diver Down wall. Sweet. Oh man, that was the, such a fucking good album. That was a great thirty-two album. minutes I'm sorry, of glory. Bob. I mean, it's a ter- <laughs> terrible sorry. album, but it's fantastic. It was like five covers and like. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. As you get older, you realize that that was just they were so phoning it in. It was so coked up, right? Yeah, but, but like, they were so good at phoning it in. Exactly, yeah. they were more the tubes than the tubes at that exactly. point, right? They were exactly. so it ironic. Genius. They were ironically awesome, right? <laughs> how can you do that? How do you how are you ironically virtuosic? <laughs> and that all happened because I mean I was listening my I was all my dad's stuff was like Cat Stevens, the Beatles, Paul Simon, like right. very acoustic based stuff. And then my sister was part of that Columbia Records Club where they See, would just that's, send you, you haven't stuff. listened to the podcast. That's where this I was gonna yeah. say yeah. who started with the Columbia who Records. Started. Everybody did that. But here's oh, the yeah. thing, it was it was oblique for me because my sister was part of it and they would send her like ten albums a month and she got Van Halen one. She was like, What's this shit? And she threw it in my room. Didn't want it. So I put it on and I was like, oh, you know, what's this? This is different. This is electric. The Columbia Record and Tapes Club was the, the, the nascent sort of like, you know, collection for so many people. It was like the spam email. It was like a time. manual Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. Proto yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone yeah. scammed it yeah. and got free shit. Except, <laughs> except getting it for, they were like forcing it on you for a penny. It's weird. It's a weird business model. Yeah, but then I don't know. I used to just get the CDs in, dub them to tape, and then write return to sender on the box and put it back in my mailbox. <laughs> Wish I'd thought of that. Yeah, it, was, it worked. Awesome. Then you'd sell the tapes. You're, you're still probably buying those little sea monkeys, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm still a member of Columbia House. <laughs> <laughs> he has 1,200 albums. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I got them all for, for a penny. Wow. I got most of them on 8-track. Really, you know, yeah. I I actually have a um, a very large uh, seashell collection which I keep scattered on the beaches all over the world. Perhaps you've seen it. Uh, yes, I have okay, actually. Yeah, yeah I'm a <laughs> sorry, sorry. Apologies to Stephen. Good one. Yeah. So that's so that was one of the first ones, and disciplined by King Crimson. So hence the King Crimson. Another one sort is of in earnest or not earnest, right? There's a there's another have Mate right. Kudasai, arguably. Yeah. Pretty earnest thing Amazing. To, to say. Yeah, I right. took that album as being very earnest. I did too. You know? But, you know, and I don't know if it's to. because I'm a Gemini, but that's that was kind of the track record. Jesus. Was like, <laughs> I know now we're going there. But wow. I, I, I you know, astrology. Van Halen <laughs> and King Crimson. That was those Bob, were both on the plate. You first one you actually bought, not the one like your parents bought you or the, you know yeah, that's yeah. like, hey, pick one out. Uh, you had to put down some first coin. One I actually bought was I think Synchronicity. Fuck yeah, yeah. Mm. But but before that, the ones that I had that were like given to me, right? It's in six. Same it's years. Six. Never down. By it, the way. First thing you bought is not in four. No, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. Like, no. Well, no. But I, there was a succession of like crappy compilation tapes that were like circulating in my house. So I remember one that we talked about a while ago called Denim. 
and it had Queen of Hearts by, by Juice Newton on it. Play yeah. Juice yeah, which is like yeah, like right. Dave Edmonds, which is like one of the great greatest tunes, right? And then I also Sorry, it's literally four one 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 four one one. Don't rag on that shit. That's no, a, I love it's, that. It's earnest. No, what I, what and, uh, no, but no, I, no, I, it wasn't. But I and I had uh, and then and then after that though I had I got the um the blue and the red album by the Beatles. Those two cassettes, yeah. right? And I I listened to the red album and I went, that's nice. I listened to the blue album. And then I listened to the Blue Album again and again and again. And I actually burned through three of those cassettes. And, I, and, the, and the Red Album stayed someplace else that was just kind of... Yeah, the early stuff. Awesome. I yeah. still... My, my folks had a lot of vinyl. I still have the original pressings of those. Really? It's actual red vinyl. Yeah, Really? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, and blue vinyl. That's awesome. cool. We kind of stay off the Beatles uh, on the podcast. They're kind of so iconic that yeah. when you start talking about them, people just... They get really polarized right away. Or at least I do. I mean, I kind of get out of the way. Sure. I, well, I'll say it again. I don't get polarized. I try to stay away from it. It seems like a polarizing concept, but they kind of fit into your model there where it's like sometimes earnest, sometimes really not, sometimes like fucking rebellious. I mean, a really yeah. wide range and they were only together for fucking eight years. Like, mm. Jesus, that was a short time. Not that it's the best album ever made, but the White Album is as diverse a scope of earnestness, non-earnestness, you know, musical content as I think sure. could have ever been made at that point in time. That's that's pretty, yeah. pretty well. And, and and be successful as yeah. well. Yeah. 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 To go out, right? Came from their pure hatred of each other at that point. I think. <laughs> yeah. Isolation, hatred, yeah. vitriol. It's a wonderful, yeah. wonderful stew. To Doing work. it in the road. Let's throw it to Dr. Drum set. Uh, First thing you actually had to buy... You had to put out some cash. ACDC, Back in Black. Fuck yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wait, Classic. Wait, yeah. Rick, tell, tell the story, though, of the one that you... Well, so then very shortly thereafter, I um, asked my parents... It was close to my birthday, so they asked me what I wanted, and I said I wanted some... Uh, these were cassette tapes, of course, back in the day. And so um, I asked them for a bunch of them, one of them being Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Ah, yes! <laughs> But I know the story now. Yeah, my, a great cover too. My dad picked me up from school. Uh, my and my mom was with him, and I got in the car, and no one was saying anything. So he knew something was wrong. And my dad turns around and he says, "So, we went to the record store today." <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah. and he took a look at the album. He didn't even pick it up. He's like. No, no. Check this out, man. So you know, I, I, I like, I, I peed myself a little bit, and I said, oh, "What, what happened, Dad?" And he says, "Well, I told the gentleman there that I was looking for an album called Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, uh. and it was for my ten-year-old son, and he played it for me." Pregnant pause. Awkward silence. My mom just bursts into tears. <laughs> oh, no! Just starts crying. You disappointed your mom. She says, Ricky. with ACDC. <laughs> they played one song and they said the F word in it. <laughs> and I was just cowering in the back like, oh my God. So then from then on, I just learned how to steal cassettes from Caldor. Right. Uh, they pop wow. right out of that Did plastic you? thing. And wow, that took a you. big left turn. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. You yeah. would literally go and shoplift the cassettes out of the yeah. thing. Because I, I didn't want to deal with it. I needed the music, but I yeah. didn't want to have to ask my... You know, I needed to get the like... Love of the music. Shout of the Devil by Motley Crue was coming out. I wasn't going to... You know, what was I going to do? Like, they wouldn't was buy like that a, shit for me. There was literally like a little caterpillar-like bug living inside you. The demon yeah. inside yeah. you. Oh, well, that's yeah. one of those moments Right where you have to be like, okay, am I gonna just am I gonna fall in line here and just be be a good boy and not? 
I'm rock. Gonna, I'm, I'm no, actually, no. <laughs> I'm a little emotional. I will not be denied by rock. But no, yeah. I am. It's been a long day. I'm getting a little no. emotional. And then actually uh, along the Columbia House line. So uh, shortly, some point, I joined the club, and uh, that the selection of the month, you oh. know, that you would get oh, if yeah. you didn't check the freaking box, you know, for like twelve bucks for sure. one cassette of music, was. Um, was it Love at First Feel? Was that the name of that record by the Scorpions? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The more yeah. you get the Sure. You know, see, see, you see, uh, it's been 20 years of this. And 20 it, years. It yeah. had the woman on the, oh, on yeah. the cover, yeah, yeah. you know, with like, she's oh, it was getting all tattooed. Leg, and she's yeah. getting tattooed. And I remember my dad opens it up and he just looks and he goes, and my dad never swore, oh. by the way. Like, he was just one of these guys. Like, he Oh, really? Never, I, I never would have guessed. And he's, he looks and he goes, what in the hell is this shit? And he, throws the cassette <laughs> in the floor it smashes into a million pieces and i was like that's it i'm never paying for another record again yeah. it's all shoplifting i, just, I love that that out. was like, your not, reaction uh, yeah i yeah. also love it's the good. way you- my dad's disappointed i'm gonna become a shoplifter yeah <laughs> I, I'm, I also, gonna, I'm bypassing this whole i thing also then. love the compulsion and i also love the way that you're going to end up with a huge amount of music with no liner notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. That right. is true. Popping That's up right. those You're literally yeah. just listening to the music in sort of a pure fashion. You're just going, man, so what? Can you can you can you remember some of the other things? Yeah, I'm sorry. We're actually making you uh, uh, forcing you to, to admit to crimes right now. As, as far as you mean, like, or some of the other cassettes that you were like, oh, I gotta have that. What's the oh, statute well, of limitations on stealing <laughs> Diary of a Madman? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to know people have been and, stealing and, music and forever. You're, exactly. you're hitting it right. So you yeah. know, it went to. Um, it was. I mean, we're talking mid '80s, right? So, like, the hair metal thing was all the rage. Uh, certainly, um, Van Halen, though not hair metal, they were in that group. All that Keith stuff, metal. smiley metal, uh, had hair, they had a lot of eventually, hair. Eventually, tinsel. Uh, eventually, like <laughs> high kicks. Ozzy, most Aerosmith tinsel. Right? Ozzy led to Black Sabbath, and some of that other stuff led me to Led Zeppelin, and then that started moving me backwards yeah, in backwards. time to the classic yeah, rock stuff. Yeah. You, you, you know what's an interesting away. epoch in time is the the Led Zeppelin box set people. Oh, yeah, sure. Right? Like oh, everyone who grew up yeah. at the time when that came out and, and, and heard like the, the kind of outtakes, it's like everybody has that same kind of <gasps> thing about that box set. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, but it's, it's, it, but it's funny because you're, you're really describing this, uh, this, this uh, displaced aggression or displaced rebellion. Right, sure. I mean, it's got to be somehow rebellious at the same time. I don't mean to get into the oh, thing, no, but of course. but the music is representing more than I just really like it. I mean, you're you're actually just fucking going it, for it. No, right? and yeah. it's yeah, this is mine, right? You well, know, plus, it had this very. You, the, you you also got a real jolt out of the stealing, didn't you? No, oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a big part of it. <laughs> it was win win all around. Yeah, it was the jolt of the stealing. Did you, ever, did you ever? Did you steal? Did you ever steal one with major regret? Did you get to the point where you're just like, oh, I'll just fucking steal anything. I'm going after this Juice Newton. I'm going to give it to Bob. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Gift idea. No, I never did. It was always something I wanted. Uh, yeah. And then eventually I got caught. I remember it was at uh, Leechmere at the Pheasant Lane Mall. Oh, Asheville. yeah. <laughs> and it was time, stealing. Baby. I stole a, it was like a Howlin' Wolf cassette. It was like three bucks. Wow. And I remember getting bagged and then the... Um, the security guard like took me in the back room and he shows me the tape of me stealing. I'm sitting there being like, yeah, dude, I, I know I fucking stole it. You don't have to show me the, the thing. And he looks at me and he says... Three bucks. Yeah. But it's Howlin' Wolf, man. And he just didn't right. get it, you know? And, and of course, the, the, the funniest part being, like, I think my dad would have accepted a Howlin' Wolf cassette at that point, you know? Right. But it just had to happen. So did you tell him the whole story literature. about why you had to steal because your parents were disappointed in your Motley Crue habit? And you- <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he probably would let you go. I know, right? Yeah. 
That's great. Rick would actually, uh, he would steal stuff and then he'd go run back in and, and bring it back. It was just the act <laughs> of returning. Yeah, he'd return it secretly. <laughs> like, you know. What do you think? Road stories? I want to yeah. know what the last tape you ever stole was. Uh, well, that was it. That was. I think, oh, that was it. Yeah, that yeah, Howlin' yeah, Wolf yeah. was probably the last. Yeah, I don't think I went back to the well after that. that <laughs> oh no, that's not true. Actually, <laughs> last week. Uh, no, because then I ended <laughs> I up working at, at um, Coconuts. We're talking about the strawberries thing, oh, right? Yeah. The offshoot of what strawberries. What is it with naming tape and record stores? Dumb thing. Yeah, after friggin' fruit, Coconuts, right? Strawberries. Um, yeah. Little did my boss know um, about my history. She put me in charge. So she was a classical music buff. Uh, she handled anyone who came into the store looking for classical music. So she was busy once every few weeks. I handled the rest of the store. And I was in charge of putting the um, little security tags that would make the buzzer go off um, onto CDs or cassettes. So about every fifth one wouldn't get a tag, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I don't, maybe it was like Almond Brothers, Dreams, what's Box Set. What's the official name for you know? when you do that? It's not money laundering. It's it's like, what's the official name? I think it's called stealing. <laughs> well, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some cool commodities thing that goes along with it. But it's anyway. good. It's, yeah. 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 So it was, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you never got one and you were like, oh, this sucks. I'm just, yeah. No, I, I was. Re- I, I knew what I was going after. I always, yeah. you know, the I, I had, functional. Yeah, very much. So. Very targeted. Yeah. Well, so obviously we've been talking for a while. I, I would like to hear. Obviously, if you guys have been playing together, especially uh, you two or anybody here, uh, maybe one of your, like an amazing gig, like a gig you're just like, oh man, that was the fucking gig, and may or, oh my god, I can't believe we just played that. What was like the worst road gig? The worst. Or the uh, best, you know. Or both. So the worst slash best? <laughs> I think we're all trying to figure out how not to further incriminate ourselves at this right, point. Right, it's, right. it's part of the issue. Yeah, the people from Caldor are coming. Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. Um, I pl- once played with Flashbitch Fly. We opened for the Ramones. And that was just one of those sort of like... I wasn't even like a huge Ramones fan, but it doesn't I just, matter. But just, the energy must be yeah. unbelievable. Right, it was yeah. just cra- it, just playing with their that big banner behind you, like the Ramones banner, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is happening! This is actually happening!" I'm playing with the Ramones or opening for the Ramones, and their sound system was hilarious because it was like, you know, this was I don't know mid '90s, and they could have had like four, five thousand watt, you know, power amps, but instead they had twenty five two hundred watt PV. Just daisy chain. It was amazing. Like they had like their their sound system must have weighed more than your house. It was crazy. This but massive system massive. of relatively shitty equipment. Yeah, that's so, yeah. That's unnecessarily so massive. massive. Yeah. So ro- so Ramones. Why is it was that? totally ro- no. It was just it was great. It was just like in the heat coming out. It was like rows and rows and rows of just cheap PV power amps, and then then they come up one two three four. You know. You don't, but you don't want to hear the fidelity when it's the Ramones. No, no, no. It was perfect. It's like having a huge collection of really mediocre albums by third tier bands. You know, right. It's, yeah. Except it's the Ramones. It's the Ramones. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, no. I'm giving you a mental <laughs> high five. Like I said, <laughs> mental uh, mental high five. Uh, I think our I think our best gig empirically with Dreadnought was when we opened up for John Entwistle right before he died. Yeah. Uh, that was in 2001. We, I worked on getting that gig for like six seven years. And uh, that was a lot of pestering. That's called the long sell. And, uh, uh, that was a great gig, a lot of fun. We hung out with them after. I think the, the, one of the most notable gigs that we, we played, um, well, we've played with like a lot of 
famous authors at the music hall were, were the house band yeah. for 10 years. Right. 11 yeah. You years should just, just, just yeah. I, I know we're winding it up, but we should talk about that for a second. So it's like, uh, to explain, music hall is a really nice sort of historic uh, hall, uh, uh, theater, basically. Yep. It was turned into a movie theater at one point um, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which is again on, on the seacoast of New Hampshire by the, by the sea. And it's a fantastic place. And one of these really interesting uh, series at this really nice, it went through a big restoration. It's a great yep. place. Um, is famous authors coming up and sort of talking about that whatever they're working with, and you guys were the house band for quite a while. Still are. It's the longest. Oh, game. you are. Oh, oh I didn't know. Yeah, eleven years and counting. Still doing. Yeah, this. actually, yeah. those. Uh, I actually those these guys asked me to play with them for a couple of times, and uh, it was really it was a difficult time in my life, but it was a really fun gig. To Alan do. Alda. I was, was probably yeah. a giant dick to you guys, but you were. Yeah, it's fair <laughs> fair to say. But I'll, I'll own it. I own it. It was not a good time, yeah. but. Uh, but you guys were really nice to me, even if I was a dick. We Plus, were. Well, you guys all have a problem because I'm probably better looking than all of you when I'm up there. Too. You weren't the way the light the way the light works. <laughs> the way the light works. It's, you know. It's well, listen, we both we both glisten in Italian ways in the in the lights, so it's, it's yes. a nice it's a nice thing. But uh, yeah. we we we've done some really fun gigs with like. Supreme Court justices and um, yeah. uh, people who died, uh, like John Updike. And, and, and you guys do that. You you know you you try to make the material that you're playing relatively topical, even even if it's maybe a subtle joke or, yeah. or that kind of stuff. And, and we we actually we played like with uh, Dan Brown a couple times actually. And uh, Dan he sorry to hear that he um he he <laughs> dropped me an email and he said, hey listen, you guys playing tonight? This is after he'd seen us play. And I said, yeah yeah. And he goes, do me a favor, you know, my mom's gonna be there. It's her birthday. Would you mind playing Happy Birthday? And I said. I said, Dan Brown. I said, sure, would, 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 would love to do that on one condition. He says, yeah, what? And I said, that you play, because he's, he's a pianist. Right. And he said, let me think about it. And like five minutes later, I get an email saying, I'm in. And so um, he sold it really good, too. Like, it was great. At the, at the concert, he's like, uh, you know, I want to say happy birthday to my mom. She's here in the audience. Everyone goes, oh. And he says, you know, and, and I, I, I managed to locate her very first student. And he's looking off to the wings, like really selling. He's like, you know, I, it took a lot of effort, a lot of time to find him. And, and you know, but, but I got him here. And, Sure enough, he turned around, he went to the piano, and we started to play. So it was a lot of fun to do to, to do that gig. Yeah. Then there was one of the really notable tour and gig that we did. It was when we were touring um, for the American Standard back in 02 or 102. The American Standard is your Dreadnought album? Yeah. And uh, we, I remember in all the gigs that we played, some some 20-something nights, like almost a month were on the road. And whenever we played, there was these, these uh, posters by this band called Bikini Pie Fight. And they, it was like a girl in like a bikini with like whipped cream all over her. And we'd see it every, every venue was this fucking bikini pie fight, you know, poster over and over and over again. And we get to the la- the last gig on the tour in New York. And I think we had one more gig in Northampton. Was, was there a bikini pie fight? No, there wasn't. But, the, but the goddamn band was playing on the bill with us at that, that night, right? So they come out, we're thinking, oh my God, finally we're going to, this bikini pie fight, it's going to happen, right? These fuckers walk out. It's a bunch of guys wearing assless chaps. They get up on say assless chaps. Remember this? Oh yeah, and, and those they, stupid like styrofoam cowboy hats. And they and were shit. and they yeah. were bitching about the back line, and it was just amazing. It was the like, back wow. line would be the equipment that were there, not their ass, not the ass. <laughs> and we were sitting there like, my God, couldn't they have at least shaved? Yeah. I can't play under these conditions. <laughs> it was amazing. Exactly. No, no, it was basically that. It's great. So, yeah. so bikini pie fight. If you're listening, fuck you. Yeah, aren't all chaps assless? No. no, no, not if you're oh, okay. wearing pants underneath them. Fair which enough. Is what you're Fair supposed enough. To do. Yeah, yeah, but, oh, whatever. but uh, well, I think to yeah, okay, fine. Semantics. It's a definite. Exactly. Yeah. Semantics. <laughs> Road story. Anything. Well, I mean, those those involve me. Those those two right there. I, I don't know. I mean, definitely John Entwistle was. Uh, was when did you highlight. start? What was the first gig you you, you played? 
Oh, God. Um, well, you know, uh, I was pretty... Uh, did, you, did you guys... Were you actually in your first band together? God, no. No. I was, no. no. Yeah. I, Bob had played a lot. I, I was a bit more of a latecomer. Uh, I didn't actually really start playing music till I was in college. So you had already really kind of understood how to play the drums. You were relatively accomplished. Uh, I, I really... I learned playing drums through a friend who I would go to his band practices and watch him play drums. Yeah. Um, and then... Probably in about two or three bands before Dreadnought uh, that mostly played like Nashua, Manchester, those kind of yeah. uh, horrible places. I grew yeah. up in Nashua, so I can call it horrible. Yeah. Do you remember any of the names of those bands? Uh, <laughs> yeah, what was... Um, oh, they were horrible band names. Uh, I know, I would imagine. I'm can trying, you remember any of them? Bikini uh, Pie Fight. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My old band, Bikini <laughs> Pie Fight, exactly. It finally comes out. Pioneered uh, the assless chaps. <laughs> God, I, uh, I one of them was called like side effects. That was uh, nice. that was pretty nice. bad. Um, Good name. Solid. What else was Solid. there? One of them had like it was like a semi bluesy band, and of course it had blue in the name of it. Now I can't remember the oh, goddamn. Yeah, it yeah. was it was it was bad stuff. You just reminded me somewhere there is a tape, and I I have it of uh, and I say tape when I a VHS tape of uh, Fly Spinach Fly playing on the Kathy Burnham show, which was on Channel 9, WMUR. Wow. Oh, that I got. Yeah, wow. and it was I can, like I can this, put that together, it, yeah. Yeah, it was like this live talent show, and it was it's genius, because it's like this incredible spectrum of like m- music at that moment in the 90s or whatever it was. There's like this pseudo like Rush trio. There's a... Uh, <laughs> right? I know where right? this is going. Right? Yeah, I know. I can see it There's all. like the early hip-hop duo, like <laughs> two white dudes, amazing, <laughs> Right. There's the like the 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 metal holdover like metal was over but these guys didn't get that memo yet so they had the hair they they were like doing the the Tesla acoustic version of of this or that and then and then fly spinach fly we just we came out we had like a jester you guys were kind of, I'm kind of kind of say kind sure. of a groove band yeah kind of way to describe it yeah yeah uh, well. Well, uh, you guys are a lot more than that. I mean, that it was, was, it was a kind of melting pot. Of yeah, we music started out band. as a funk band and and evolved into a funk band with a horn section, and then we became like this very '90s ish uh, amalgam of like heavy riff rock with a horn section and two MCs out front. So it was right. You know yeah. what? I I wasn't around at that time, so I right. didn't know you had the MCs. Yeah, I was, I was because it was, al- it was almost like a little bit of a semi faith no more element at certain totally, points yeah. of what was going on yeah. in, in that band. Yeah. But the comedy of this gig was our so our then drummer got in a fight with our then singer and both of them decided not to show up. So, <laughs> but we're like, this is huge. We're gonna we're gonna be guys. on we're gonna be on Channel Nine. Yeah, this right. Is, yeah, this is, Kathy we Burns cannot, show. Yeah, one of the we channels. Cannot, this is back when there was like four channels. Yeah, there were right? four channels. And this <laughs> is one of them. So like we have this has to happen. So we grabbed uh, my friend Charlie Lawrence. I don't know if you know Charlie Lawrence, no. bass player, but never heard the song. We were just gonna do one song. He'd never heard it before. We t- he learned it on the way over. And I sang instead of our traditional singer, and it was it was such an unbelievable train wreck, but yet a triumph. Yet a triumph that we showed sure. up. You know, <laughs> so that might be under worst, might be under one of the worst gigs, but hilarious nonetheless. Best slash worst. Best slash worst. Yeah. One time, Rick and I staged a fight at, at uh, uh, was it was it TT's? It was TT's. Yeah, we, we staged the, the Bears. Staged the Bears. Yeah. Always a good idea this to stage like a, a fight. This is a theme for you, staging fights? Uh, or, or we, we staged a lot of fights we, for a couple of years We did that there. a few times. And, yeah. and remember that guy, uh, the sound man, uh, wrote on a napkin a note uh, to us, which was funny in a number of respects. One is that he said, so you guys must be uh, 
Berkeley guys or something. Which we're not Berkeley neither guys. Neither Bob nor I am. And he, he said, you'll be waiters for life. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's an awesome yeah. moment. Yeah. I actually had my uncle kill that guy a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Waiters for life. That was pretty cold. Yeah. So what do you mean, save the fight? Says the sound guy at TT the Bears. Well, yeah. exactly. <laughs> You're going to be the sound guy at TT the Bears for another maybe six or seven weeks yeah for yeah. those yeah the, 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 the comeback writes itself <laughs> exactly. so what do you mean stage of fight um we would with Colonel De Beers um we <laughs> the uh, band. I, I I you know there was kind of like a little bit of the, the who influence of the auto destruct element where um where at a certain point you know, you you actually couldn't tape any more keys down on the keyboard. You, we ran out of keys, <laughs> right, right, and you ran right. out of tape. You know, yeah. and, and 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 then everything would start to shake, and then when and then you know then it, when it sounded like that, like like you know like the Herculoids. Then at that point, <laughs> then generally, I, I would, I, I usually I would grab Rick and I'd pull him over the drum kit, which would be kind of like the assault, and then Rick would generally take me out at that point. So I'd get credit for being the aggressor, but of course I would lose in the end. And it was... it was Going over the drum kit is not comfortable. Professional wrestling. It's it's art, man. You know, you suffer for it. I (laughs) mean, you you just got to do what you need to do. We really wanted to do it when we opened up for NRBQ, but we didn't think it would be appropriate. (laughs) In hindsight. hindsight. I was going to say... Should have done it. Ideas are the only thing you have. You know that, right? (laughs) That's like, they are your currency. Yes. It's yeah, true. It's they're true. your they're your value. They're your or your gold standard. You know, they're what your currency is made out of. So yeah. maybe you should have gone over the drums at an NRBQ. Yeah, that know. would have been good. I, I I distinctly remember at that gig though. Uh, Terry Adams was quite aggressive with certain female members of our party. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Stone Church. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's why he's a rock star. Exactly. Right? He's right. not a rock star. I love I love him. He's the best. He's a rock star. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to do it. Okay, fair enough. Fine. You guys got another uh, piece? You want to play us out here? Yeah. How do we? Uh, how do people get in, involved with the Order of Thieves thing? Spell our name correctly first. What does that mean? Do you mean the I before the E or the E before the I? <laughs> I thought it was T-H-E-E. I got a... <laughs> right. It's actually Order of Steves. Oh, order the, of yeah. Steves. Yeah. Ah. So or is this uh, one of those things where if you say I before E except after C, it's correct or wrong? I, I'm going oh, to let the audience figure that one out there. We're pre-qualifying. Oh, you there you go. You can't spell it. You're pre-qualifying right. right now. So what are you going to play? What? What is... Wait, tell me quick about the song, because when we're done, we're done, man. What are we playing? Wait, Toll I'm, Booth Goddess. Oh, this is Toll Booth Goddess. I'm fucking this up. Hold on. How do people get in touch with the Order of Thieves thing? All right, we're on that Facebook thing. Facebook. That's the easiest way to do it. Order so go, go of Thieves. Go to Space Face. We're on, we're on, that, on, on, that, on the Twitter. This there. is going to come out right away, so you have a gig coming up, right? So anybody who listens yeah. is local. This is obviously still a, a local podcast at this point. Uh, and uh, while we're here, thank you very much for everybody subscribing. We've got uh, uh, up to 300 subscribers already, so it's uh, sweet bigger than the uh, press room, right? So Congratulations. Nice work, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll be waiters for life. We, 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 waiters for life. Waiters for life. I don't know what we're waiting for, but... Um, so, uh, and you have a gig coming up, the Brick House in Dover. The Brick House in Dirty Dover. Our yeah. CD release is, is Saturday night. And uh, what is? Do you have the name of the CD? It's just it's eponymous. The Order of Thieves. Is it the Order of Thieves or Order of Thieves? Order of Thieves. It's a combination of okay, three and five. But there's no yeah. the right. 
No, no, there's no the. It's just no order, the. order of Thieves. Order of Thieves. Beautiful. And uh, is this song on that album? This is. This is the. Wow. This is on it. Wow. Very nice. Track two, I think. Okay. Right? This and uh, tell me what we're listening to and make it happen. This is Tollbooth Goddess from the upcoming Order of Thieves record.